0: Thank you for that prayer this morning, Jim. I really appreciated it. Well, this morning, if you have a Bible with you, I would like you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. The Gospel of John, chapter 15. Last week, we looked at verses 1 and 11, 1 through 11, part 1. This week, we're looking at John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 11, part 2. This Passage on abiding in Christ is so important that I just felt I needed to spend two weeks on it. There is so much here. This is Palm Sunday. And actually, I'm not sure we could find a better passage of Scripture for Palm Sunday than this passage. Because you see, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. This is the Upper Room Discourse. He is preparing his disciples for his death and for his resurrection. And how to live in that power when he ascends to heaven. He is preparing them and that's what this Sunday is all about. That's why we have on the church calendar such a thing as Palm Sunday. It is to prepare us, our hearts, our minds, as we contemplate and think of the most important week in the history of the universe. As we prepare our hearts for Good Friday, as we prepare our hearts for Easter Sunday, for Resurrection Sunday, this is the purpose and reason for Palm Sunday let me read for you again john 15 verses 1 through 11. jesus says to his disciples i am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Well, our first point this morning is abiding in Christ. Last Sunday morning, we focused on the first five verses of John chapter 15. And realizing that probably not all of you here this morning were here last week, I just briefly want to go back over what I shared from those first five verses. In verse one, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Jesus says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine, the source of all spiritual life. I am the source of salvation, the source of eternal life, but not only that. I am the source of everything, and I mean everything you need in your Christian life. I am the source of your righteousness. I am the source of your wisdom. I am the source of your strength. I am the source of your peace. I am the source of everything you need. I am the source of your hope. You have hope because you have me. And my Father, he's the vine dresser. And the vine dresser, God the Father, does two main things in relation to the vine and the branches that are found in verse 2. Every branch in me, Jesus says, that does not bear fruit, he, the vine dresser, takes away. Every branch that does not bear fruit is not a true branch. It is a false disciple. That person is not saved. It is someone who professes Christ, but does not possess Christ. And the Father takes them away. He will expose them for who they really are, either in this life or ultimately in the final judgment. We're going to look at this more in part two, so just hold on to that. But the father, the vine dresser, has a second responsibility, a second role. Jesus says every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. The second role of the father, the second role of the vine dresser, is to take those branches that do bear fruit, who are truly saved, who truly belong to Jesus, and he prunes them. And the reason that he prunes them is so that they will bear much fruit. So God the Father will allow and ordain trials and times of testing and, yes, even times of suffering to come into our lives. But he does it so that we will rely completely on Jesus, so that we will not rely on ourselves, we will not rely on other people, and we will not rely on things. The Father wants us to rely on Jesus alone because when we rely on the true vine, then we bear much fruit so in verse 3 he says already you are clean those true branches you're saved you belong to me because of the word that i have spoken to you because you heard the gospel message and believed in it therefore verse 4 abide in me and i and you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Anything that we do to glorify and please God can only come from our abiding relationship with Jesus. Therefore, we need to abide in the vine. We need to have close, intimate, personal fellowship with God the true vine the source of everything we need in our christian life and then that critical verse verse five jesus says i am the vine you are the branches whoever abides in me and i in him he it is he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing Apart from Jesus, I can do nothing to please and glorify God. Nothing. And as we learned last week, nothing means nothing. Only as I abide in the true vine am I I able to do anything that pleases and glorifies God. Apart from me, you can do nothing. As I said last week, you need to have that phrase burned into your mind and into your soul Apart from me, you can do nothing. I shared with you a working definition of what it means. What does it mean to abide in Christ? And this week, it's going to be on the screen, and it's in your bulletin, as I mentioned last week. And what I did is I've just taken definitions, because I've preached on abiding in Christ before. Some of you know that. I've taken the definitions that some have given and the scripture verses that go with it, and I've tried to just summarize it in this one definition. To me, to abide in Christ means to be so in love with Christ and to be so consumed with Christ that his resurrection life in you transforms who you are and how you live. That you are so in love with Jesus and so consumed with Jesus that the resurrection life of Jesus in you just takes control of you and transforms, changes who you are and how you live. Author and pastor David Platt says this, I am convinced, I am convinced that it is possible to do all the good things that a Christian does and yet still miss out on what it means for Christ to transform the core of who we are. We can be doing all kinds of good things and yet not truly be changing into the image of Christ. I want you to hold on to that quote because we're going to come back to it at the very end of this message. Well, this brings us to part two this morning. And here's what I want to impress on you in part two. The primary way that we abide in Christ is through reading, studying, memorizing, and meditating on the Word of God. There is an inseparable link between abiding in Christ and abiding in the Word of God. They go together. It is in our reading, studying, memorizing, and meditating on the Word of God that we want to obey Christ. We want to bear fruit. It's there, it's there where we fall in love with him. It's there that we are consumed with him. And it is so important, folks, that we never approach the Bible as some dry academic document. It is alive, it is supernatural. We need to read the Bible with passion, with emotion, Don't just read your Bible each day and check off your little list for the day. Come to the Word of God to be changed by God. That's what it means to abide in Christ. But before we get back to that, we're going to start with verse 6. Verse 6 is really a repetition of the first part of verse 2. And this must be really important to Jesus because... He states it again, and this is a hard truth, but an important truth. In verse 6, Jesus says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If anyone does not abide in Christ, he gives evidence that he is not a true disciple. He is not a true believer. He is not a true follower. We have learned throughout the Gospel of John, throughout the Gospel of John, and that's why the context of the whole Gospel is so important here. There are true disciples and false disciples, always has been, always will be. There are true believers and false believers, and there are true followers and false followers. I shared some of this last week, but I think it's important that I share it again. In John chapter 2, it says that people believed in Jesus because of the miracles he did. But then it says Jesus did not entrust himself to them because he knows all people and he knows what's in their hearts. In John chapter 6, there's that chilling verse. Jesus had taught some hard truths. And it says, after he said these things, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. I mentioned last week Matthew 13, such an important section on this subject the parable of the wheat and the weeds or the wheat and the tares. The wheat and the weeds grow up together. No one can tell the difference. But in the last judgment, the reapers come. And it says they gather up the tares, they gather up the weeds. They bind them in a bundle and they burn them. You can go there and read it for yourself that's what it says it is the final judgment they are condemned the greatest example of all that we have already looked at in this study is the example of Judas Iscariot for three years he followed Jesus he was taught by Jesus he saw all the miracles that Jesus did or at least the vast majority of them when he was there and he never believed. And in John chapter 13, there is that frightening verse where it says that Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, entered into him. One more passage this morning from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verses 18 through 20. I want you to notice how the Bible explains the Bible, and the Bible is always consistent. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 18 through 20, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Watch verse 19. Every tree, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. This is exactly what Jesus is teaching in John chapter 15. The exact same thing. But having established that, he comes back to the true branches and how we must abide in him. Verse 7, Jesus says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. And I don't want you to miss this morning that abiding in Christ and abiding in the word of God are synonymous. They are the same thing. We abide in Christ by reading, studying, memorizing, and meditating on the word of God so that we might obey it, so that we might fall in love with Jesus, so that we might be consumed with him. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, that's the goal, folks. That's what we want to do, to have this precious time in the word of God. And then there's this incredible promise. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's quite a promise. And here's what it means. That if you are abiding in Christ by abiding in the word of God, then you will desire what he desires. You will want what he wants. You will long for what he longs for. And you will ask forever you for whatever you want, and he will do it for you. It will be done for you. He will answer your prayers because your prayers will be exactly what he wants. Folks, when we abide in Christ by abiding in the word of God, it transforms. It changes your prayer life. Changes your prayer life. You will gladly pray, not my will. Not my will, O Lord, but yours. But yours be done. Now this is an important promise. But it is a promise that's been abused on both ends of the spectrum. On one end of the spectrum, it's been abused because people use it for kind of name it and claim it. Just ask whatever you want and God will give it to you. That's not what it says. It's a conditional promise. If you abide in Christ and if, excuse me, you abide in his words, then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. It's also abused at the other end of the spectrum and churches like ours need to be careful with this. We're like, oh, I I think it kind of means that. doesn't mean he's going to answer all your prayers, but you know, a lot of them... If you pray certain things that, you know, you know you should pray, they'll be answered. That's not what it says. It says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And you know what I believe? I believe it means exactly what it says. If you're abiding in Christ and abiding in his word, you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Don't try to explain it away. It is what it is. Verse 8. Jesus emphasizes again. I want you to know, my disciples, by this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You want to glorify God? Do you want to glorify God? Then bear fruit Then bear much fruit, and you can only bear much fruit by abiding in the vine. But when you abide in the vine, you prove that you are my disciples. Remember what I said last week? Fruit bearing does not make you a disciple. It is the evidence that you are a disciple. It's the evidence that you are a disciple. You want to glorify God in your life? Then bear much fruit for him by abiding in the vine. That leads us to our second point this morning, the results of abiding. If any Christian deeply abides in the vine, he or she will experience answered prayer, the fullness of Christ's love, and the fullness of Christ's joy. You talk about a promise. Wow. If we abide in the true vine, God's gonna answer our prayers, he's gonna fill us with the love of Christ, and he's gonna fill us with the joy of Christ, We've already looked at the answered prayer, but I want you to think about it one more time. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. If you are so in harmony with Christ, so in love with him, so consumed with him, then go ahead. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Go for it. Try it. Pray as you abide. Then he says, in verses 9 and 10, not only will you experience answered prayer, but you will experience the fullness of my love. Again, verses 9 and 10. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, notice the word of God again. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Oh, my. Jesus said, as the Father, as God the Father has loved God the Son, so God the Son loves you. Same love. As God the Father has loved God the Son, so God the Son loves you. He loves you. Abide in that love. Bask in that love. If you keep his commandments, if you are abiding in Christ by abiding in his word, you will abide in his love. You just will. Because Jesus kept the Father's commandments and abided in his love. And here's what I want you to think about this morning, something that God has really been impressing upon my heart lately. Jesus doesn't take your human love and make it better. Jesus replaces your human love with his love. Let me say that again. Jesus doesn't take your human love and make it better. Jesus replaces your human love with his love. You've got new love. It's the love of Jesus. And that's what he wants you to abide in. Notice the end of verse 9. Abide in my love. The end, or at the first part of verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. We have, folks, if we abide in the true vine, a supernatural love working in us and through us. But not only will we experience answered prayer, not only will we experience the fullness of Christ's love, we will also experience the fullness of Christ's joy. Did you know that Jesus wants you to be filled to the brim with his joy? He wants you to be a constantly, every moment, every day, joy-filled person. Notice verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Again, Jesus doesn't want to take your human joy and try to make it better. He wants to replace your human joy with his joy so that his joy becomes your joy. It's not, tim's joy it's the joy of jesus in my heart in my life these things i have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy which is my joy may be full wow how much he must love you that he constantly wants you filled with his joy Well, let me try to bring last week and this week all together this morning. This passage of Scripture, John 15, 1 through 11, is a critical reminder that the person and work of Christ must always be the central focus of the church and of every individual Christian. Oh, this morning, Jesus needs to be the central part of my life and of the life of this church, of your life and the life of this church. Jesus must be everything. We were just talking about this in prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Let Jesus be what we talk about. Let our love for Jesus and being consumed with Jesus be the central part of everything we do as an individual and as a church. Folks, it is so easy to get distracted from what's really important. So easy. Let me give you a couple examples. It's so easy to get distracted by politics. And I know I'm probably going to step on some toes here. But you know, I fear today that many Christians and many churches have become more focused on politics than they have on Jesus. And Jesus is no longer the central theme of their church. Don't misunderstand me. I do think there is a proper place and time for a healthy, biblical discussion of political issues and political involvement. In my undergraduate work, I am a political science major. I have a degree in political science. I do believe politics are important, but they pale in comparison to Jesus. We got to be careful, folks, on where we put our focus in our individual lives and as a church. Another example, we must be careful that legalism doesn't replace our focus on Jesus. Legalism is the constant, constant, constant enemy of the church and of every Christian. We start pushing our, pers- our extra-biblical personal preferences. This is how you should dress. This is how you should live. This is how you should educate your children. This is the only kind of music you should like. This is the only way to do a church service. And our personal preferences become more important than abiding in Christ and the word of God. And instead of abiding in Christ, we're just trying to convince you that our way is the right way. But there's a third example that I want to give you, and this one is subtle, and I want to explain it very, very carefully so that we don't misunderstand it. I think busyness in Christian ministry can be a distraction to truly abiding in Christ and making Christ the center of everything. Now, I'm gonna give you an illustration And the illustration that I'm about to give you could happen to any pastor and has. It could happen to a missionary, could happen to an elder, could happen to a deacon, could happen to any Christian in any walk of life. Let's say that I am heavily involved at our Beacon of Hope Family Care Center. Great ministry incredibly important. I would say that our Beacon of Hope ministry is one of the most important ministries of our entire church. And let's say that I'm heavily involved in Awana. Awana is an incredibly important ministry. I believe in it with all my heart. And let's say besides that, I've decided I'm just going to go out and I'm going to visit all kinds of people. I'm going to visit our shut-ins, I'm going to visit people who have been ill or been in the hospital. I'm going to visit people who are hurting, maybe someone who's lost a loved one. That is a great ministry, important ministry. And let's say in addition to those things, I I also get involved in some community groups because I want to be salt and light in our community, and that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. But let's say at the end of the day I come home And I realize I'm way behind in my Bible reading. And I haven't spent much time in prayer. So, out of guilt, I do a little Bible reading and try to fit in some prayer. And very subtly, that becomes the pattern of my life. I do a little Bible reading here, a little prayer there, because I'm busy in all these ministries. Folks, it can't be that way. It can't be that way. Your time in the word of God and your time in prayer is the most important time of every day of your life. It is there that you abide in Christ. It is there that you fall in love with Jesus. It is there that you become consumed with Jesus. It is there that the Holy Spirit transforms you into the very image of Christ. Nothing, nothing must take its place. But when you abide in Christ, then you will bear great fruit at the beacon of hope. Then you will bear great fruit in Awana. And as you visit, and as you are involved in the community. But busyness must never be a substitute for abiding in Christ. Busyness in ministry must never, ever be a substitute for abiding in Christ. Let's go back to that quote by David Platt. He says, I am convinced that it is possible to do all the good things that a Christian does and yet still miss out on what it means for Christ to transform the core of who we are. To abide in Christ means to be so in love with Christ and so consumed with Christ that his resurrection life in us transforms who you are and how you live. You and I are like a well of water. And our wells are supposed to be filled with the living water. And our wells are filled with living water as we abide in the true vine. And then wherever we go and whatever we do, we draw from the well and we draw from the well and we draw from the well let me ask you this morning, is your well a little dry? Is it a little dry or is it full? Full of living water. I want to challenge all of us this Easter season to abide in the true vine. Let's pray together. Father, teach us Help us to abide in the vine. We long, Father, we long to experience answered prayer. We long to experience the fullness of your love. We long to experience the fullness of your joy. Burn into our hearts. Burn into our minds that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Remind us this Easter season that Jesus died and rose again, that we might deeply abide in our precious Savior. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.